The show is brought to you by Rudus Metal Detectors, makers of the Alter 71. Discover new possibilities at rutus.com.pl. <laughs> Guess you guys didn't expect to hear my voice anytime soon. Uh, been a lot going on. It's been one hell of a 2019 so far. It has really, really taken a hold of everything in my life. It's been a really tough time. Uh, I had to deal with my father-in-law uh, getting extremely sick. He got diagnosed with terminal cancer in April and um, he became bedridden a month later in uh, July. My father ended up going into the hospital. I flew all the way out to Seattle, Washington from Germany to be with him during that time and help nurse him back up. I did everything that I could to get him back, and he's doing extremely well. Sadly, uh, shortly after I arrived back in Germany, my father-in-law passed away. And uh, last week, uh, we had a very touching funeral for him. So uh, things... Things are looking up. Finally got back out metal detecting today. Couldn't be happier about it. Oh, my God. You guys have really given me the power and the strength to be able to pull through all this and uh, really uh, help me feel like I've been loved and really looked after from every single one of you. It's been really, really, really fantastic, the amount of support and love I get from you guys. Um, including, uh, if you guys notice, we got a brand new song opening the show. This is called Babylon's Rising from a good buddy of mine in Germany, T.G. Copperfield. Brand new album called Crank It Up in Nashville. You guys got to check it out on iTunes. It's a great album. It really rocks. I love this band. Uh, T.G. Copperfield is fantastic and a great buddy. I know he's listening in right now as well. Uh, so this is a kind of a new setup for the show. There's going to be some really fun stuff going on this week. Uh, there's going to be some uh, news and uh, kind of a, you know, some dialogue from me. I'm going to kind of give uh, editorial, I guess you could say, and uh, kind of just have a little bit of fun with you guys. So I hope you guys are ready. Let's sit back, relax, and uh, I'll be starting the show in just a second. You'll notice that this week we don't have 42 with us. Uh, she's going to be coming back on to the show really soon, really, really soon. I want to give her a big shout-out because uh, she's dealing with some broken toes right now, so she's really having a hard time. But she's going uh, to be representing GDA at uh, a metal detecting event in 
Australia, which I'll give you the information on really quick. So if any of you guys are down there during this event, make sure you give 42 a big, huge shout-out. She's going to be down there uh, representing us as she always does. Uh, you guys give her a lot of love every time you see her, so I know that you're going to be doing it again. Uh, be sure to check her out. Uh, so for right now, I'm going to be going into kind of my editorial. I wrote this up, and I thought it was just too good to uh, to not share it. So a lot of people ask me, is metal detection, uh, metal detecting, is it an addiction? And so I started writing down, uh, just started writing, and uh, this is exactly word for word what I came up with. Uh, is metal detecting an addiction? Commentary by Lance Goolsby. Detecting, a way of life, a method of peace, a way to escape the daily grind, a love of nature, a love of history. These are just a few of our reasons we metal detect from Australia to America, Mexico to Morocco, Germany to Gibraltar, France to Fiji, China to Columbus, Georgia. We love finding relics of the past from yesterday to prehistory. We have found it all. GDA was moving forward with our goal of sharing the love of all we love. And that's a lot of love. We relish pull tabs, making onlookers cross their eyes. We excite, we excite over can slaw. We jump for joy over a simple relic others could give less than a darn about. Why do we love going out in the mud, oftentimes, and excite so easily over a coin? Coming home with a permanent smile as if the Joker caught us and gave us Joker gas only to have our significant other force us to strip down outside the door. And we don't care if there's a barbecue party next door watching the strip show because we're holding a coin like Gollum holding the ring. My precious. This is our addiction and it's a curse. We can't stop. We think and plan weeks in advance, our return to our permissions. We throw money into the hobby like crazy. Take me, for example. I'm recording this right now over more than $1,000 worth of equipment just to give you guys a free podcast. Is that a sickness? I have over $3,000 in metal detectors. I got an Expedias, Tesoro Cebola, and Rudis Alter 71. And why? Why do I need three? I only have two hands, but only ever use one. Then there's the clothes, the patches, the hats, pinpointers, video cameras, computers, and more. All that just to show others how much I love the hobby and bring more people into it. So is it a curse? Nah, it's a bug. Damn right it's a bug that bit us. There are thousands who have tried the hobby and quit. But us, you, listening to me talking about this, you went out of your way to find this podcast and are listening this long, longer than most would. And why? Because if, if you've not, if you're not out in the dirt, you want to know about others who are or were and what they found. That's a bug. Now you're laughing because you know it's true. This is the state we live in. We constantly want to know about detectors, finds, gears, locations, and more. We are totally smitten by the hobby. Is it bad? Well, only if you lose your loved one and family because of it. And guess what? I've seen it happen. And there's a lot of you nodding right now or laughing because you know it's true. You've seen it as well. We've seen friendships rip apart in the hobby. Why? 
No, that's as a list that's huge. And here it is. Fines, permissions, detector, silver, gold, politics, women, men, money, lack of money. It's endless, the reasons. These same things affect normal humans, not just us coin lickers. And I call us coin lickers. It's kind of like my thing, all right? So get over it. I know a lot of us, when we find a coin, the first thing we do is put it in our mouth because rubbing it's bad, right? But it seems for coin lickers, it's magnified about a hundredfold. Have you ever seen two metal detectors on a beach? Watch them, especially if they're coming from two different directions. Two things will happen. Most likely, a friendly banter will begin. They show off their detectors, sand scoops, and fines. Or you need to think of this like watching a nature show. The two beachcombers are unaware of each other, searching the beach slowly approaching each other. The dominant male sees the other male and quickly raises his detector to increase his size in hopes of scaring the other male off his supposed territory. The other male, still oblivious to the alpha, and continues to scan, maybe distracted by the mating calls of either Cardi B or Beyonce over his headphones. Oh, the second has finally spotted the alpha now. The squawking begins between the two, using many forbidden four-letter words, and also words like local and permission and first and group. Then there's the puffing out of the chest as each of the males attempts to smack the detector out of the other detector's hand. Now Fine's bags are swinging and losing all their contents onto the dry sand. Oh. It seems that the two males, while trying to prove their masculinity, have reached to an agreement to go on their separate ways, each pointing and moving in the opposite direction. Once apart, both of the beachcombers begin the low grumbling of their displeasure of the other, using a word over and over again, a word that can be used as a verb, adverb, noun, action, description, and all using it to describe what the other does to his mother. The beachcombers keep walking, each unknowingly approaching another of the opposite sex. Now begins the mating ritual of the Humanus Beachcomberus. <laughs> the number of fights over public land by metal detectors is low. But when it happens, the detector turns to one weapon he or she has that they know they can get all the backup they need. The internet. Truth is, people are usually introverts, and metal detectors are really introverted. The hobby is mostly a solo affair. No time to talk, just listen. So when there is any kind of a disagreement between two detectorists, there seems to be the common practice of one or both to not say a word to the other, but instead air their grievances as loud as possible into the Internet, a place where you don't need to see anyone in order to communicate. You don't need to see the other person in order to call him or her a whole bunch of really bad names, allowing the person to detach themselves from the other and really lay out over-exaggerations and blatant lies to gather an army of empathic followers to do the fighting for the metal detectorist. Then all the detectorist needs to do is just keep posting and writing to keep them fighting for him or her. It has gotten out of control online. 
to the point all groups that I know of don't allow any kind of posting about another person. Even if it's a little bit derogatory, it's instant grounds for booting. This is a breed of detectorists that's known as cowardice internetist detectorists. And everyone I know stays away from them. But they're everywhere. And you never know when one will spring up, and you never know who will turn into one in a forum or a group. But why do they? Why do they do what they do? They're just poisonous, really tearing people apart. It's a virus that needs to be stopped, and not acknowledging the person will stop it at the alpha host. But online, for the most part, we celebrate each other. In our groups, like our GDA group and many others that I'm a member of, we share and praise fines. We thumbs up, smile, share stories, comment. We watch videos and ooh and ah at each thing we see. We follow celebrities like KG and Ringy, Siren Kimmy, Dave DiNatale, Gary Blackwell, Digger Don, Kimmy and Scott of Dirt Diggers UK. We interact. They interact back. We love our hobby with our small, ignorable problem makers. We all care deeply for the steak dinner of a good find. Oh, I think I'm getting hungry now. We each constantly imagine the signal we just heard to be a thousand-year-old gold ring. Not like that last tone, which was, by the way, the exact same tone as this one, which ended up being a pull tab. But there's no way that this one is a pull tab. It's the holy grail. It's a lobster dinner of a find with fries and coleslaw. Okay, dang, yeah, I am hungry. I got to get over with this. So is metal detecting an addiction? Is it a bug? Is it a way of life? Well, that's the hard thing to answer. But in the end, it's yes to all. Because we will keep doing it with all the heartbreak, all the excitement, all the love, all the hate, all the surprise, all the disappointment, all the distress, and all the peace. It's our hobby. It is what it is. It's a way of life, a method of peace, a way to escape the daily grind, a love of nature, and a love of history. Thanks. I'm Lance Goolsby. <laughs> I thought that uh, ended up being a lot bigger than what I was planning on doing. But uh, when I started reading it back to myself, I thought that it ended up being really good. And I thought I wanted to share it with you guys because I know quite a few of you would like to get into, uh, you know, really like hearing that kind of stuff. And it's to me, it's the truth. Uh, it's what I see every day. Um, I haven't been as active online as I could have been in the last uh, several months, but uh, I have been checking in every once in a while and letting you guys know I'm doing good. And, um, you know, uh, everything with me seems to be okay. So, uh, you know, for now, uh, I'm really excited about how everything's going. You know what I mean? Things with me are looking up really good. For the first time in quite a while, actually, I have really uh, positive outlook on the rest of this year, and I couldn't be more excited about it. The, uh, the one thing that I really am happy about is that my dad has made a full recovery. He lost almost three quarters of his uh, intestinal tract due to a... Uh, a blood clot 
and uh, they had to remove it all. And um, I was there, you know, helping uh, really get him uh, cleaned up and pampered and everything else, doing whatever I had to do to nurse him back. And uh, it was a tough struggle. And um, he is almost a complete uh, turnaround. So I couldn't be happier about that. Uh, for now, I'm going to take a very short break. Uh, we'll be back in just a second. Uh, but for now, let's go ahead and listen to another track from TG Copperfield. This one's called By the Riverside. Hope you guys enjoy it. I'll be back in just a second. Okay. Make sure you guys check it out. Crank it up, Nashville. These dude guys are absolutely fantastic. And while you're at it, make sure you go over to Rudus and check out the Alter 71. That's rudus.com.pl. Make sure you head on over there. Check it out. Tell them Lance sent you. Just send them a quick note. Just tell them Lance sent you. If you join any of the Rudus groups online, just tell them Lance from GDA sent you. They are going to love you guys. And I know you're going to love the metal detectors. These things are fantastic. They are completely personalizable personalizable excuse me is that even a word i should call this episode personalizable but anyway uh, it is completely you can personalize it to yourself if you want a certain tone for a certain type of metal you can completely do that with this this thing is fantastic it's got 71 frequencies 71 frequencies it is just unbelievable but anyway i'm going to kind of go over some of the news uh while uh tg copperfield plays in the background um so uh this one uh the funny thing is, I didn't actually put down the uh, where I got the information from this. But anyway, uh, a gold ring was unearthed near Loch Lomond, which could end up fetching 10,000 pounds. This is from BBC News. This is from 17 July this year. So BBC News said, A 17th century gold ring was discovered by a metal detectorist near Loch Lomond, and it could fetch about 10,000 pounds in auction, which end up, for you Americans out there, could be uh, approximately $1 million. No, I'm just kidding. It's about $15,000. So Michelle Val from Blackpool made the discovery when she searched the shore at Duck Bay, which, by the way, Duck Bay is much better than goose crap sound. Uh, but anyway, she found it near Duck Bay in Bollock in West Dunbartonshire, Dunbartonshire in January. Boy. But she had taken up the hobby just two years ago to deal with panic attacks that left her confined to her home. That kind of reminds me of me because uh, I took mine up because of PTSD from uh, my time in the war. So, uh, Michelle, I completely understand what you're doing on this. The ring has been dated from between 1640 and 1680 and once belonged to a courtier of the king. So this guy was courting the future king, looking for some loving... Oh, uh, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. 
No, 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 no. That's not right. I just looked it up. Uh, in this case, it means that he was a bodyguard. So this guy was the Kevin Costner of his time. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that's what a courtier is. Uh, they uh, basically they had multiple jobs and uh, worked with uh, the hierarchy of the monarchy. And um, in this case, this guy ended up being a bodyguard. You'll find out about that in a little bit. The courtier from Suffolk worked for James II of England, James VII of Scotland, who <laughs> lived for a while in Edinburgh before he took the throne. Mrs. Val literally struck gold when she found the jewelry, which was engraved with a family crest and was probably used to stamp wax seals. So we know, people, we know about this. Uh, we've got people that find these kind of things all the time. She declared the ring as a treasure to the National Museum of Scotland, but last month she learned the museum did not want to buy it. So they gave it back. Ms. Val said, uncovering the ring was an unforeseen event as myself and my husband were detecting on a field with no particular history of finds in the area. We were enjoying the peace and relaxation of our wonderful hobby, finding the usual ring poles, tractor pieces, and miscellaneous metal objects. We all know what she means. So when I unearthed the ring, which was close to the surface, I knew straight away that it was something special. It shone with a distinct bright yellow color as I carefully lifted it out of the dark, muddy hole where it had waited for at least 350 years. The ring will be auctioned at Dick's Noonan Webb in London on the 10th of September, where it's expected to fetch 10,000 pounds. So uh, we don't know exactly uh, how it ended up. So uh, I will see. Uh, we're going to see exactly um, how much it actually uh, made. Uh, so in the end, it made 14,000 pounds. Uh, it's a really beautiful ring. Check it out online, guys. Do a search for Michelle Val Ring. You'll see a picture of her in the ring. Absolutely fantastic. I'm trying to reach out to her to see if she'll come on to the show and uh, talk with us about this. Uh, but real gorgeous ring and really fantastic amount that they got. 14000 was the amount. I'm recording this today on the 11th, so this sold yesterday. Uh, actually, two days ago. And what day is today? I don't even know what today is anymore. Yeah, today is the 12th, so it sold two days ago. And uh, so made $14,000. Nigel Mills, antique specialist at the and auctioner, said the Coleman seal ring is an excellent example of a high-status ring of the period, of which there are only a very limited number surviving in this condition. And that tells you something. This thing is in pristine condition. It looks fantastic. But it's not Miss Val's first valuable find since she started metal detecting. An extremely rare gold half-angel coin she found sold for 40,800 pounds at auction in December of 2017. What? How? Come on, I've been doing this for so long I haven't found gold and she is so lucky. Oh, this is just driving me crazy. 
Oh, man. Nigel Mills, uh, Mills said, metal detectorists like Michelle have contributed vastly to our knowledge of finding treasures that would have otherwise been unknown to exist. Big key to that one. I really want the archaeologists pay, to pay attention to that. The auctioneer's research revealed that the ring belonged to the Coleman family of Bren Elig, Elig, Elig Suffolk. Ugh. Come on, somebody, everybody at one time, tweet me and let me know exactly how bad I butchered that. That's Lance.Goolsby on Twitter. Just let me know how bad I butchered that one. So anyway, the ring belonged to the Coleman family of Brent Ali Suffolk, who used the arms on the bezel of the ring from 1598. The same crest can be seen on a ledge slab of the tomb of Samuel Coleman, who died in 1653 in a parish church of St. Mary and on the Brent Elich village signpost. The Coleman family made their fortunes in the 16th century from the cloth trade. In the Suffolk town of Lavenham, they invested their wealth into land, and in 1607, uh, Samuel Coleman purchased the manors of Brent Elich and Fenhall, and the family rose to the rank, rose in rank among the Suffolk gentry. Samuel's second son Thomas was a devout clergyman in the Protestant faith in the village of Brent Elig. However, Thomas's only son Edward became a convert to Catholicism and has a reputation as an as an effective preacher of his new faith gaining a number of converts in 1661 Edward established himself uh, at court being sworn in as gentleman pensioner acting as a bodyguard to the king by 1673 Edward had been appointed secretary to fellow catholic Mary of Modena the wife of James, Duke of York, the younger brother and her presumptive to be Protestant King Charles II. During the end of the 1670s, James and Mary had been living in Edinburgh, and in 1680, the king made James commissioner for Scotland. But Edwin, Edward Coleman worked for the Duke of York, but was embroiled in an alleged plot to assassinate the king. He was found guilty of treason, and in November 1678, was hung drawn and quarters <laughs> whoops that was a bad time to try that so for michelle it's been a great two years in the hobby with fifty thousand plus pounds worth of treasure i wish her continued luck and finds out on the fields but uh you know this guy edward coleman is just like your typical uh rebel back in those times Forget you, Pops. I'm going to convert to Catholicism, the Times version of joining the Crips or the Bloods. Look at my forehead all colored up with the Catholic colors. Word of God. Uh, and all that. Anyway, yeah, so uh, really, really huge congratulations to Michelle Val. Uh, you really nailed it um, on that one. Really, really good finds. Really. Uh, amazing. And you've been having a really good, good couple years. My hat off to you, m'lady. Um, so uh, this is a really fun story. Now I'll close the show with this one. Um, hope you're enjoying uh, uh, T.G. Copperfield in the background. So anyway, metal detectorist finds 10,000-pound gold ring in a garage 40 years after discarding it as worthless. <laughs> this is 
printed in the Telegraph on the 23rd of August. Metal detectus, a metal detectorist who discarded a gold ring in his garage 40 years ago uh, after a museum told him it was worthless has discovered its real value is 10,000 pounds. Tom Clark, 81, dug up the buried treasure while scanning an area of farmland near Aylesbury in Buckinghamshire in 1979 but put it inside a metal tin and forgot about it. But the retired leather craftsman came across the rare, the rare seal ring eight years ago while sorting through items from his mother's house after she passed away. He got the item valued and was astonished to discover that it was actually a 670-year-old medieval artifact dating back to 1350. What the hell, people? This is the second seal ring that we've got. This one is really a true, true story. So let me let me get ready to dig in on this one. Ready? All right. It's due to be auctioned off in Derbyshire in, uh, on Tuesday, August 27th, and is expected to sell for between 8,500 and 10,000 uh, pounds. We'll figure out exactly uh, what this uh, went went for went for for. Let let me take a look on this. Uh, so this one ended up. Let's see. Um, trying to see if I can get a end listing for this one, but it might not come up. August twenty fourth. August twenty fourth. So it was supposed to go on to auction on the twenty seventh. Uh, let's see, uh, oh, check this out. So it ended up failing to sell at auction. That's too bad. Sorry to hear about that, Tom. Oh, man. Good looking gentleman there. I see him there with his <laughs> shovel with his spade and his, uh, I'm trying to see what kind of metal detector he's got there. Might be a Nocta, um, so not entirely sure, but uh, it ended up it was expected to fetch ten thousand, but it did not meet its reserve. Sadly enough, uh, the turn of events. Uh, back to the story. The turn of events is similar to the plot of the BB sitcom Only Fools and Horses. So you guys from England, if you know the show, uh, chime in. Let me know exactly what's going on. Uh, leave some comments on Facebook about it. When brothers Dell and Rodney come across a watch in their garage, which is then auctioned off for millions of pounds, Mr. Clark said, I had completely forgotten about it. At the time, I'd only been metal detecting for 10 years and didn't realize the ring was anything special. It was all twisted and broken when I dug it up. He took the rare ring along with some others to a museum to have them valued at the time, but was told they were all fairly modern. So I put them in a tin and left them in the garage at my mom's house, he said. A few months ago, I was sorting through some stuff in my own garage that had come from my mom's house, and there it was, the tin with the rings in it. Tom is auctioning the ring off, with it, which is expected to make between 8500 and 10000 which we now know did not meet its reserve and did not sell. Mr. Clark, now a much more experienced collector, said he instantly knew it was a seal ring dating back to the 13s and would have belonged to someone important given its decoration and quality. He added, it's rare and elegant. I'd love to know who it belonged to. A Latin inscription on the ring translates as... I hide the true message. 
Mark Bescher, Historica expert and auctioneer Hansen, said, It's a fascinating piece of medieval jewelry, and I'm delighted Tom rediscovered it again after all these years. Really fantastic, Tom. Uh, please, if anybody knows Tom Clark, uh, Mr. Tom Clark, please let him listen to this. I'd really love to get him onto the show and talk about this. Sadly enough, uh, as you hear, it did not make its reserve. Um, but uh, I can give you a little information. The sing, uh, the, <laughs> the sing, uh, that's what happens when I get music in the background. <laughs> The seal ring has an engraving of the god of Mars holding a spear, and uh, it is, like I said, dated back to the 1300s. So it must have been somebody who used to seal, uh, you know, sails or letters or whatever it was. Somebody of some kind of uh, wealth and position. So anyway, that's it for the show today. Uh, thank you guys for joining me. Um, you know, thanks to uh, 42 for really being there for you guys while I was completely absent. Please, please go and give her all your love. Um, make sure that if you're in Australia that you uh, go check her out. She's going to be uh, down at a metal detecting event here pretty soon. I'll get you the information on that uh, just now. But uh, she's going to be down there and... Um, She's going to be representing GDA down there, and uh, I hope you guys will go down and give her a whole, uh, a whole bunch of love. Uh, she is really uh, a wonderful, wonderful lady, and um, so, uh, so she's going to be. Um, she, <laughs> she hasn't been out for a while, so uh, because of her broken toe. But, um, uh, so yeah, so she's, uh, went out and uh, did some hunting, but her legs were extremely sore after hunting. But, uh, in a week and a half, she's going to be heading off to the world metal detecting championship competition. And, uh, we're hoping to be getting a chat with Aqua Chigger. And, uh, if everything works out, uh, 42 is going to be down there and talking with him and we're going to have a live event. And uh, make sure you guys also check in. Detectable is coming up extremely soon. Make sure you check out uh, Archaeology and Metal Detecting Magazine. You can check it out uh, right at Global Detection Adventures website. That's gdapod.com. We will have live events coming straight out of Detectable. You want to hear uh, interviews with some of the top most outstanding detectorists on YouTube or on television? Uh, make sure you check it out. We got Dave and Luke. They're going to be hammering it out for us down there, and uh, it's going to be fantastic. Make sure you guys also uh, give them a big, huge shout-out. They have a new podcast coming out. Uh, it's uh, pretty new, but uh, uh, it's uh, really fantastic. It's called The Big Metal Detecting Podcast. Make sure you check it out. Go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and look for the Big Metal Detecting Podcast. These guys are absolutely fantastic. Dave and Luke, I love them. They do their own stuff. They work for GDA. They work for their own things. These guys are got their feet in so many fires. You wouldn't even believe it. I love these guys. And Luke produces this show, just so you know. So he really helps me out as well. 
Uh, so make sure you give them a lot of love at the Big Metal Detecting Podcast. Make sure if you're anywhere in Australia and you're going to be heading down uh, to the, um, what is it called again? The World Metal Detecting Championship Competition in Australia. Make sure you stop by and say hi to 42. And uh, if you're in Germany, metal detecting, make sure you hit me up. Let's go hunt together. Let's do some stuff. Get a video. Oh, by the way, there might be a GDA Lands video in the pipeline. So until I see you guys again really soon, this is Lance. We'll see you guys out on the field. Thank you so much for coming in and uh, stopping by saying, how do you do? Finally, GDA is back on the air. I couldn't be happier. And you know this song. This is the song that takes us out of the show. Love every single one of you. We'll see you guys out on the field. Let's dig it up, y'all. The show is brought to you by Rudus Metal Detectors, makers of the Alter 71. Discover new possibilities at rutus.com.pl.